morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, June 9th. Widespread drug use at a renowned rehab treatment program in San Diego. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. A Marine Corps Osprey aircraft crashed Wednesday in the Southern California desert near Glamis. Five Marines were on board the aircraft when it crashed shortly after noon on Wednesday. As of late Wednesday, the Marine Corps has not confirmed the number of killed or injured. The Marine Corps say that the rumors on social media that nuclear materials were on board the aircraft are not true. A former caretaker was sentenced on Wednesday to 25 years to life in state prison for sexually assaulting three women at nursing care facilities in El Cajon and La Mesa. 37-year-old Matthew Flukiger was convicted on three felony counts, including forcible lewd act on a dependent adult by a caretaker. Jurors voted 11 to 1 in favor of convicting Flukiger on two other counts, but he later pleaded guilty to those charges before a retrial could begin. There's an excessive heat warning for San Diego County deserts today, and it'll stay hot throughout the weekend. Temperatures up to 117 degrees are expected. The National Weather Service recommends staying hydrated and in the air conditioning. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. You've been thinking about helping KPBS with a donation. Why not donate that extra car you no longer need? Pickup is free, and you're supporting KPBS Public Media. Here's how. Visit kpbs.careasy.org. An iNews source investigation has found that a renowned rehab center in San Diego is facing widespread drug use on the campus and conditions there have become dangerous. iNews source investigative reporter Jill Castellano has the details. Veterans Village of San Diego started 40 years ago with former Marine Corps Lieutenant Jack Lyon. I mean, the way I dealt with the war was to push it back with drugs and alcohol. After Lyon recovered from his addiction, he and four other Vietnam veterans created a safe space to discuss war, trauma, and substance use, which eventually became Veterans Village. In 1990, the nonprofit built a rehab center on Pacific Highway that remains there today. Former resident Heather Miller said her life completely changed when she came to the campus. I was not uh, ready to be sober. I didn't know how to be sober. Uh, I had lost so much that I just didn't know even where to start, you know. Miller enrolled at the rehab center through Veterans Treatment Court, a program to help veterans in the justice system. She graduated from the court in January. Granting your H motion, I'd ask everybody to please join me. <laughs> I follow the rules now. <laughs> One of Miller's mentors at Veterans Village, Marilyn Cornell, said seeing success stories like that is why she came to work every day. And being able to see miracles happen every single day, watching people reclaim their lives with dignity and respect. But Cornell, the former clinical director of Veterans Village, said the rehab center has changed dramatically over the past few years as new leadership has pushed hard to fill beds. 
that's led to a major decline in the quality of treatment. There was a, a, a sense of gloom and doom, and morale was terrible. Inusaurus has spoken with 44 people who have lived or worked at Veterans Village. One of their biggest concerns is a growing presence of drugs on the campus. They say employees are too busy to closely monitor the residents, which has made the environment unsafe. Here's Cornell again. You're not allowed to have it in the treatment center. You're not allowed to have drug sales going on in the treatment center. It's like lighting up in a cancer ward. Veterans Village leadership said drug use is not allowed inside the treatment center. The campus is carefully monitored, and veterans are getting high-quality care. Akila Templeton, the CEO, said she cares deeply about serving the veteran community. And we want to do our part to um, end veteran homelessness. Some people might mistake that as, you know, the organization being more concerned about filling beds. We are not concerned about filling beds. We're concerned about saving lives. In late April, a resident at Veterans Village died of a suspected fentanyl overdose, and the DEA launched an investigation. Days later, the county probation department suddenly pulled eight people out of the rehab center because, quote, we believed it was in the client's best interest. Do people on campus think campus is safe? No, absolutely not. That's Victoria Cloyes, who's living at Veterans Village now. Her fellow resident, former Navy SEAL Nathaniel Roberti, overdosed at the treatment center in April. Roberti was on probation at the time, and now there's a warrant out for his arrest. So here's a guy trying to save his life, having to get exposed to a substance that now puts his own life at risk and may have to suffer legal consequences because VVSD couldn't clear campus of drugs. Cloya says she has other concerns, too, about the quality of food and sanitation in the treatment center. She even filed a complaint with a state health agency. The biggest thing is how do we preserve this place? How do we save it? Because it is kind of a special place. And um, the men that establish it are what we all call mavericks. Those who spoke with Source said they want Veterans Village to succeed, and they hope leadership will listen to their concerns. For KPBS, I'm Source investigative reporter Jill Castellano. To read iNewsource's full investigation, go to iNewsource.org. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. San Diego protesters blocked the front doors of Sempra Energy headquarters on Wednesday. Sempra is a Fortune 500 energy company that owns San Diego Gas and Electric. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has more. Energy monopoly! The front doors of Sempra Energy's downtown headquarters were blocked for about two hours by San Diego residents worried about the planet's future. Building is the home of the fossil fuel giant Sempra, a company with big plans to sell gigatons of frac methane all around the world in the midst of a climate emergency. San Diego 350's Masada Dizenhouse leaned against a huge sign blocking the entrance, saying she can no longer turn her back on climate change. Sempra's business plan is to increase its profits by destroying our future and our health, and I will not take it anymore. Sempra officials say they are committed to sustainability, advancing resiliency, and affordability. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. 
A proposal to amend San Diego's People's Ordinance is a step closer to the November ballot. On Wednesday, the City Council's Rules Committee approved sending the measure to the full council, who would have to approve putting it before voters. San Diego is the only city in the United States that picks up trash for free for half of the city. But the trash collection isn't really free. Taxpayers get stuck with a bill of more than $40 million a year, and that costs is expected to go up, costing half a billion dollars over the next 10 years. A grand jury has already called the current system inequitable. San Diego City Council President Sean Elo Rivera addressed that unfairness. But really this proposal is about the city being the one that we claim to be, one that values equity and sustainability, one that invests in our workforce, and one that is committed to solving problems that affect residents every day. The ballot measure would not allow the privatization of trash services, and the city can't make a profit. Coming up, Tuesday was the big election day and results are still coming in. We'll bring you an update on who's ahead and who's behind. That's next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. The outcome for the two-for-one election in the 80th Assembly District continues to be, well, complicated. The race was on the ballot twice for some voters. One race was to decide who should finish out the term of former assembly member Lorena Gonzalez, which ends in December. In that race, as of Wednesday night, David Alvarez is leading fellow Democrat Georgette Gomez by about 3,900 votes. Alvarez says his strategy was simple. I focused on um, winning the, the election in the special. I mean, it's actually, you know, uh, as simple as it gets, because uh, that means that I get to be the assembly member and uh, start serving this community that has been underserved uh, because of the lack of representation for the last six months. But in the second race, voters decide who gets to represent the redrawn district for the next two years, beginning in December. In that race, Gomez is the one leading Alvarez by 1,400 votes. Alvarez and Gomez will face each other in the November general election, but they'll just be on the ballot once. County Undersheriff Kelly Martinez and former city prosecutor John Hemmerling are headed for a November runoff in the race for San Diego Sheriff. KPBS Speak City Heights reporter Jacob Ayer has more. Kelly Martinez topped a seven-candidate field in Tuesday's June primary election to secure a spot on the November runoff. Whoever wins then will succeed longtime Sheriff Bill Gore, who retired in February. Gore endorsed Martinez, so did County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher and San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria, among others. I think that the, the public and the voters really expect a sheriff who is transparent and accountable and focused on public, public safety, and I, I am that candidate. 
John Hemmerling has a slight lead over Dave Myers for second place. In a written statement, he said the sheriff's department needs fresh, new leadership and said he looks forward to the opportunity to engage Martinez in a serious and detailed debate about public safety in San Diego County. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. Democrat County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher will go to a November runoff election in his bid to continue to represent residents of District 4. He faces Republican Amy Reichert. The latest tally has Fletcher with 62 percent of the vote and Reichert with 29. Fletcher was first elected to the seat in 2018, which covers parts of San Diego, La Mesa, Lemon Grove, and National City. He's chairman of the Board of Supervisors and the San Diego Metropolitan Transit System. He's also the vice chair of the Regional Task Force on Homelessness. Reichert is the co-founder of Reopen San Diego. It's an organization that sought to reopen schools and businesses that were shuttered to stem the spread of COVID-19. The organization also disapproves of vaccine and mask mandates. Chula Vista City Councilman John McCann and Amar Campanajar appear to be the top two vote-getters in Tuesday's mayoral primary for Chula Vista. A November general election would pit the longtime councilman against the former congressional candidate. KPBS reporter Gustavo Solis has more. John McCann is the lone Republican in a six-candidate primary race to be Chula Vista's next mayor. And even though the city is home to more Democrats than Republicans, McCann says that his comfortable lead in the primary shows that party preference is just not what voters care about in Chula Vista. Uh, Potholes don't have a party affiliation, as well as I believe that people are tired of the hyper-partisanship and they just want people to be at the city that will do their job. McCann says that voters have responded well to his experience at City Hall, and that will be the difference in November. Amar Campanajar begs to differ. The former candidate for San Diego's 50th Congressional District says that voters are ready for new political leadership in the South Bay. And the voters said they, you know, they want something new, fresh, different. They want new leadership. They're tired of the same recycled uh, career politicians. Currently, Campanajar is nearly 10 points behind McCann in the primary and just ahead of third place finisher Jill Galvez. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. And now for an update on the San Diego City Council races. Three council incumbents will be on the ballot in November to keep their seats, while two candidates will vie for an open seat in District 6. Of those heading to a runoff, in District 2, incumbent Jan Campbell will face Linda Lucas in November. Here's Campbell. Well, I think it's clear from our strong first place finish that they want a council member who builds consensus, who can work with everyone, who moves San Diego forward. Meanwhile, in District 4, incumbent Monica Montgomery Stepp will face off in November against Gloria Evangelista. District 8 Councilwoman Vivian Moreno had only one challenger in the race, Antonio Martinez, and both will advance to the November general election. In the District 6 race, nonprofit director Kent Lee and Tommy Howe will advance in their bids to replace termed out councilman Chris Kate. And as always, these results are updating throughout the day. To catch the very latest numbers, you can go to kpbs.org. Just look for our very colorful live elections results button. (music) 
After being canceled in 2020 and then scaled back in 2021, the San Diego County Fair is back and in full swing. It had its opening day on Wednesday, but there's one big difference this year. All fair admission and parking tickets must be purchased online in advance. Other than that, fairgoers can expect the works, rides, exhibits, concerts, food, and animals. And did I mention food? The San Diego Repertory Theater is suspending all productions as of June 19th and laying off all of its staff. The theater has produced more than 300 shows during its 46 years with a mission to offer provocative and inclusive theater. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando speaks with the Rep's co-founder and artistic director Sam Woodhouse. Sam Woodhouse was planning to retire from the San Diego Rep this September, but the theater he co-founded has been hit by a serious financial crisis that made it impossible for the organization to continue. We have been challenged to produce and present programming in the basement of an active construction zone. We have suffered a significant loss of ticket sales due to the pandemic, and we have been operating simply at an expense level above what we have proven we're able to generate in revenue. But Woodhouse wants to make clear that the rep is not disappearing. It is going on hiatus. We have already formed a brain trust, if you will, to think about how we might be reborn and rise again as a more fiscally stable organization that does the art that we remain committed to. Moving forward, the rep will depend on volunteers, including a volunteer board of trustees and staff such as Woodhouse who are staying on without a salary. The rep will maintain its lease on the Lyceum Theater, where it might still do some kind of programming, as it contemplates what the next step in its evolution might be. Balthacomando, KPBS News. And that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.